This episode is brought to you by Progressive. Are you driving your car or doing laundry right now? Podcasts go best when they're bundled with another activity. Like Progressive home and auto policies, they're best when they're bundled too. Having these two policies together makes insurance easier and could help you save. Customers who save by switching their home and car insurance to Progressive save nearly $800 on average. Quote a home and car bundle today at Progressive.com. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. National average 12-month savings of $793 by new customers surveyed who saved with Progressive between June 2021 and May 2022. Potential savings will vary. Listener supported. WNYC Studios. This is the New Yorker Radio Hour, a co-production of WNYC Studios and The New Yorker. Welcome to the New Yorker Radio Hour. I'm David Remnick. The Trump years were a frenzy of daily, deliberate fabrication. So perhaps the revelations about Congressman George Santos's self-fashionings aren't as shocking to us as they should be. But you've got to give him credit. His lies are extra. They've ranged from the injuries he got on the college volleyball team, by the way, a sport he never played at a college he never attended, to alleged criminal misrepresentation on campaign finance. He's gone from punchline to pariah, even in his own party. He's a national joke. He's an international joke. But this joke's got to go. He is a stain on the House of Representatives. He's a stain on the 3rd Congressional District. Mr. Santos, haven't you done enough harm? Most of us first learned about Santos from reporting in the pages of the New York Times. But the story really emerged months earlier in a newspaper called The North Shore Leader. They were sounding the alarm, except nobody really heard it. Staff writer Claire Malone, who covers the media and politics wanted to find out how the story actually started. So I went out to Long Island to meet with Grant Lally, who is the publisher of The North Shore Leader, and also with Maureen Daly, who is the managing editor of the paper. Yeah, I'm Claire Malone. Are you Maureen? I am. Maureen, lovely to meet you. Miss George. Yeah. How are you? I'm good. We're probably going to bring you into the conference room. Okay. Do you mind if I go ahead? No, wherever you want to go. Claire, what is The North Shore Leader? What kind of paper is it? The North Shore leader serves kind of a wealthy, pretty uh, white suburban area of Long Island. And it has about a circulation of 5,000. So it's pretty small. This is a cutting-edge story about a Christmas tree lighting. It says Merry Christmas, <laughs> Happy Holidays yes, across and the this is, top of and the this fold. Is, I believe this is the Oyster Bay, uh, downtown Oyster Bay, Main Street Association's holiday celebration. They have so a, your, th- your four lead stories are World Cup Party, Thieves are very busy. New Year's Eve in Glen Cove, and Bayville lights the menorah. That's it. That's it. These are locally. I mean, this is you know. I mean, in our I guess our top story inside is you know the leader told you so. Um, it said the leader told you so. U.S. Rep. Elect George Santos is a fraud and wanted criminal. And we published this just a couple days after the the Times piece came out. So along with the menorah lighting. They're watching the local politics pretty carefully. 
Yeah, so Grant Lally, the publisher, is a uh, a lawyer by trade, um, but he is also someone who's in politics. So he actually ran, he's run three times for the same congressional seat that George Santos is now sitting in. And Grant is pretty, uh, you know, connected and involved in local Republican politics out there. We ha- I've already <laughs> spotted two Reagan busts. So how many yeah, more? That was actually my dad did that. His dad okay. sculpted. My dad sculpted. No that, that one he didn't do. But T- that, the Teddy that, Roosevelt. Yeah, that was, we had a sculpture. He had a sculpture manufacturer company. No time. way. Um, the paper has endorsed Democrats before. They endorsed uh, incumbent Tom Swazi um, for this seat previously, who is a Democrat. And in 2022, the paper endorsed Robert Zimmerman, who was Santos's Democratic opponent. I mean, we when, when my dad bought the paper, there was somebody, and she passed away. But you know, she kind of came with the paper. She she was Tom Swazi's babysitter when he was a baby. <laughs> <laughs> you know, so. So we could never endorse against Tom Swazi. Right. right. (laughs) That's amazing. When did you first become aware of George Santos? I got a telephone call from a someone who had, had helped me out in my campaign and said she was working with George Santos and would could I, could could we please meet and have lunch? What year is this? Uh, this was January of 2020. And um, <clears throat> it was down the street at the Carl Place Diner. I went down. I had lunch with them. Um, George Santos was sort of sitting back, glowing in the attention. And um, uh, he was you know, he was bizarre, would be the best description. He was very boastful and very evasive. And I had run for this seat before, and we had the newspaper, so I was kind of, you know, it was a dual role. He was looking for help and support and advice. And at the same time, it wasn't an interview, but, you know, we were, I was sort of sizing him up. Sure for, you know, coverage in the future. Sure. And, um, I mean, I asked him at the time, I mean, very, you know, I have friends from Brazil, you know, I know a bit about Brazilian society, and he boasted about his finance, but being in finance and being a very successful, wealthy financier, he was only 32 at the time, sure. maybe 31 at the time, so very young, and, you know, bragging about his millions, and it, it you know, it didn't click, uh, it, didn't, it didn't mesh with what, with truthfulness. I noticed that you guys didn't endorse him in 2020. Correct. Yeah. Did you know anything was Look, concretely he, amiss or was it more he just, was just He was not a serious candidate in 2020. I mean, it was Tom Swazi. I mean, it was the same district I ran in, but Tom Swazi was well-established. He was the former county executive. You know, Santos really ran that year as, uh, you know, a throw, as, 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 a, as a non-serious candidate. Uh, it, it, you know, he, he was just some guy running, and you know, it was it was a um, he was Brazilian. Nobody's ever run a Brazilian before, sure. uh, you know. So, you know, it, it was almost like an outreach candidate. Let's see, let's see what he can do. And yeah. um, you know, he was openly gay. I think he's the first person they ran in the county who was openly gay. So it was really, you know, let's give him let's give him a shot. Let's see what he can do. Um, but no one at any level expected him to be competitive, or or certainly not to win. Sure. Fast forward two years. Yep. There's redistricting that happens in the third district. Oh, two oh. things. Okay. It's actually this, this is the, this is the, this is the this is actually the key to the whole yes, thing this year. Is everyone expect meeting everyone? All the political you know pros, all the political people expected that <clears throat> you have a one party democratic government in New York State, and you know look at any time you have a one party government. In any state, they will redistrict the lines to favor their party. And, you know, it's called gerrymandering. 
And uh, in February of 2022, the legislature came out with a map that was heavily gerrymandered to favor the Democrats. The governor signed it. And this district, the third district, became a, went from a three-county reasonably competitive seat into a five-county completely non-competitive seat that wrapped around uh, through Queens, up through the Bronx, along the shore in Westchester, and then for whatever, and I still want to know who designed it, but sent, shot a tentacle up to Westchester Airport, got to Westchester Airport, went halfway down the runway and stopped. It was not a competitive seat. Sure. And so he wanted to run for it, and, 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 and just nobody to clarify, else wanted to. Not competitive, favoring Democrats. It was a Democratic seat. Right. No Republican could have won it. Doesn't matter whether uh, red wavier or no red wavier, sure. that was a Democratic seat. Right. So he's running for it. Um, no, one else, no one else, no other candidate filed. And then um, the New York State Court of Appeals, the top court, issued a decision um, throwing out the map, claiming it was too partisan and that they also had not followed the proper procedures in, under New York law uh, to for a redistricting commission to meet. They basically, people boycotted and didn't allow the commission to meet. Right. So the Court of Appeals threw it out, said there's no time. Legislature is actually enjoined and barred from trying to weigh in at that point, and the, 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 the court issued a brand new map for New York State. And at that point... The the Republican Party around here has already canceled the local primary, right? And George Santos is the is well, the presumed candidate. Uh, they gave a very short window, about ten days, for if anyone else wants to jump in and and wage a primary, you have ten days to stand up a congressional campaign, raise a million dollars, go out and collect two thousand signatures. Grant, uh, did you consider it? You know, I, I talked to a few people about you did. it because I saw that I could see instantly that the new district was a leans a, a marginally Republican district. I was browsing the website and I saw, you know, there's one headline, mass thugs, Rob store in Huntington, you know, national crime. Like, was was crime a big issue out here? What were the things that were kind of resonating with Republican voters? I think crime definitely was. Uh, The biggest stories are the local, often the students, the success stories. But I'd say the second most important thing to the to the readers is the crime. So let's talk, you know, for, for listeners who would be unfamiliar, can you talk a little bit about, you know, the issues that, that George Santos brought up? Like, or was it mostly, he had an interesting biography. I mean, what was it about Santos that resonated over it, the Democrats? What was interesting was he really didn't run. And this is, this is part of what we saw, which really nobody else, you know, frankly, even in other parts of, of the region saw, is that there, were, there was no campaign. I mean, he did nothing. Uh, there was not a campaign office open, uh, not a lawn sign printed or put on a lawn, not a mailer sent to people's homes, not a TV commercial on television, not a radio ad on radio, nothing until Labor Day. So if you walked around in, in August, you have no idea. You never have no idea who, this, who George Santos is. You wouldn't even know his name. But, and this is what we saw, we pulled his campaign filings, his, his campaign finance disclosures, and he claimed to have already spent over a million dollars on a congressional campaign. And people, some people run entire congressional campaigns on a million dollars or less. And he, by August, doing with nothing, claims he already spent a million dollars. And that was a disconnect that we saw. Yeah. And we said... This is, there's something really wrong here. It, it's kind of like, you know, what did you do with the million we gave you last week? Where to go? And you do look at the filings. And what is great with the FEC and with our system is 
you do have to record everything up to that $199.99. That can go um, without being detailed. So there were so many expenses that were just $199.99. So I don't have to tell you what I spent that on. And that's just a red flag that kind of says, wait a second here, you know, you can't be buying everything for $199.99. We heard story after story after story about him doing bizarre things about bragging about his mansions um, and and so you hear the story and you say you hear these stories and we know we know we know everybody meaning we know a lot of people in the district and so Santos would tell one lie to one person another lie to another person and we would hear from the, both of those people compare notes and realize I mean he's a total this is he's making all of this up he's a total liar and so when you know he's a total liar then you start looking more more closely. And look, he was he was so well known, at least in in the more active political circles, to be a liar, that by early summer he was already being called George Scamtos. Staff writer Claire Malone speaking with Grant Lally, publisher of the North Shore Leader, which first raised the alarm about George Santos's congressional campaign. We'll continue in a moment. WNYC Studios is supported by Lincoln Financial. The questions around retirement have gotten tiring. Instead of, have you saved up enough? Shouldn't they be asking, what is it that you love to do? And how can we help you keep doing it? The truth is, you're not slowing down. So your retirement plan should be more of an action plan, a hiking plan, a music plan, a sailing plan. The point is, whatever you're passionate about, we can help make sure you never stop. At Lincoln Financial, we have the products to help protect and grow your financial future so you can keep doing more of what you love. Make your pastimes last a lifetime at lincolnfinancial.com slash action plan. Lincoln Financial Group, marketing name for Lincoln National Corporation and its insurance companies and broker slash dealer affiliate Lincoln Financial Distributors, Inc. Copyright 2024, Lincoln National Corporation. And if you are watching this video... Either I'm dead or I'm in a very, very, very bad situation. She said, oh my God, I can hear gunshots. I can hear men outside. Where are they? What have they done to them? Are they dead? Are they not dead? There is one suspect, her father, the Sheikh. It's Madeline Barron from In the Dark. We've teamed up with our new colleague, Heidi Blake, at The New Yorker to try to answer a question about one of the richest men in the world, the ruler of Dubai. Why do the women in Sheikh Mohammed's family keep trying to run away? There's five policemen outside and two policewomen inside the house. So basically I'm a hostage. And he reminded me that Sheikh Mohammed can get me anywhere. Because you're a rich and powerful person, you can effectively break any law you want in our country and get away with it. The Runaway Princesses is available now. Follow In the Dark wherever you get your podcasts. Did you talk to Democrats about the weirdness with Santos? You know, the DCCC, the Democratic, posted a, I thought, very weak uh, bit of research on on Santos. So we looked at that. It was about 75 pages or so, but most of it was pretty much boilerplate. And it raised a lot of the questions that we had, but didn't really provide answers. He put down in, I believe it was February of 2022, 
that he loaned his, his campaign, he personally loaned his campaign $700,000. Now, this is a guy who had no assets, zero assets, just 18 months before. Yeah. Through, in, in, and that was disclosed in his 2020 personal financial disclosures. Plus... They made like $55,000 a year. Yeah, made $55,000. Yeah. So wh- where, did, where did a million and a half dollars in earnings come from? And by the way, do we know anything about that $700,000? Look, I suspect, my suspicion is that it's fake, that he just put it down. It was never, it never happened, but he put it down on the reports to try to enhance himself uh, so he could go to wealthy people on the North Shore, uh, tell them he's Jewish, and tell them all sorts of lies, uh, and say, I really need money. And, and I'm in, but I put 700000 of my own money in. I'm wealthy like you are, but I really need your help, too. How did this, the, this blatant of a lie happen? I mean, does some fault come to the local GOP where they just never... You know, look, congressional campaigns are, by law, separate legal entities. Local, local, the local parties cannot, you know, finance, cannot control con- congressional campaigns. So the, the story comes out in September. Mm-hmm. What's the reaction? What do you hear? Uh, different reactions. Some people said, oh, we knew this all along. This is not George surprising. Scamtos. George Scamtos. We've been calling him that already. Um, you know, he... You know, so, so some people said, yeah, we, we understand it. Other people uh, were hostile. Um, we got a lot of negative pushback from, uh, from some, some local Republican uh, party officials. We had people outraged. You know, yeah. What are you attacking our own for? You know, we, we, and we, we will still get that. We're, we're hearing that in social media and all. You know, this was a Republican. Why would you say anything against him? And, you know, the truth is the truth. And we didn't write his history. He did. We exposed it, yes. But there was some feedback from the party, from lifelong people who worked to get people elected their whole life, volunteered and all that. And there was a bit of a, you know, you shouldn't have done this. What is, I mean, this is kind of a, a bigger question, but like, we're obviously in the era of super partisan politics. This is now very, you know, there's a lot of very Republican towns out here. What makes a Republican truly unelectable? If they knew in June what they know now, he would never have been, never have been the nominee. He was running as a sacrificial candidate, and they couldn't find, when, when really it was hard to find anyone else to run. Um, and then suddenly, uh, the New York State Court of Appeals transforms what was a transforms guaranteed... Transforms cannon fodder into a congressman. Yeah, from cannon fire into a congressman. That's a great... Yeah. I like that. There you go. I that's like the, that. That's, that's great. the movie title. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, did the story just not get traction in the way that you thought it might? Well, um, you know, I, I mean, Robert Zimmerman called. Um, I know he tried very hard when we put these stories out to promote the stories to the um, to the daily newspapers. I don't know exactly what he did. Sure. I mean, he told me at one point he sent 85,000 social media blasts out, and he sent daily reports on what we had reported to, to, the, to the major daily newspapers. So as a media reporter, to me, that's very interesting. Okay, you write the story in September. Mm-hmm. You know, the Democratic candidate is aware of it. You get some pushback from local Republicans. Okay, the guy still wins in November. Mm-hmm. December comes, and the New York Times publishes this uh, investigation into Santos that mm-hmm. has some of the stuff that you guys had, but also goes a little further of lying about 
jobs, lying about a pet charity. It was a great. It was great journalism. I mean, the New York Times did a, a, did did great work on this, and uh, it's also reflective that if if you have the resources, um, and you can you can put a team of reporters, you can you can you can do the research and the background research and 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 dig up these materials. I mean, and this wasn't an easy bit of reporting. This was reporting in the United States and reporting in Brazil. When you saw that story, was there, or when you saw it, Maureen, was there any like saltiness or oh, I wish we could have pushed it harder, or was it sort of oh, okay? No, no I, I was actually very happy to see it come out because it really vindicated us. Because uh, I mean, George Santos was running around telling people openly that he was going to sue us and he was going to shut us down really? uh, for having published the 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 expose that we published on him. Did you so, ever have any worry about that? No, no, because everything was well sourced and we had uh, we had uh, we had back up for everything we said. So George, did you ever hear from George Santos after that original September story? Or just uh, through the- I, no, we, I have not spoken to George Santos and he will not, he would not even speak to us after uh, we endorsed Tom Suozzi in 2020. Have you guys talked to the New York Times? The, yeah. the people who, who broke the story? Yeah, I mean, I've spoken to Grace Ashford and, you know. Yeah. You weren't credited in that story. Was there any... Uh, Bad feeling about that? You know, it's a competitive world. I'm glad that they followed through on on the story we started. Uh, it would have been nice to be to be credited. Um, to, to that to that end, you guys have been doing a lot of uh, press around this story. Oh my God, it's killing me. I mean, it's just killing me. I, I mean, is it helping subscribership or circulation at all? Yeah, it, def- it definitely. The, the newspaper's gotten a lot of attention and uh, good attention. Yeah. So it's it's actually very gratifying to to get that. Yeah. The, the social media is just blowing out of the water. We're just constantly getting uh, new subscribers, new followers, and great comments. Great, great follow up, direct messages, congratulating us and. Thanking us for doing the story, and it, it's it is disappointing that George Santos was elected, even though we had exposed you know these these massive issues with him, um, but he actually trailed Lee Zeldin by three to four points behind Lee Zeldin in this district. Lee Zeldin got almost fifty eight percent in this district. He got fifty four percent. Yeah. So it did have an impact. Um, the shame of it is a, a lot of people you know just vote you know, reflexively, they just vote one party or the other. And so, you know, they, they say you could run anything, anyone or anything on a ballot, and they would still get 40% of the vote because people don't think about it. The the depth and breadth of the lies are so tremendous. I don't know, what does it say about us that this guy has got all the way into Congress? I think it says, basically, we we want to believe and we want to... We're always looking for that person to fulfill the, check all the boxes for us. And maybe that's unrealistic. I come from Brooklyn, so we have that kind of, if it's too good, it's too good. What was the Ed Koch thing you were saying earlier? Oh, well, Ed Koch always said that, uh, pick your top 10 issues. If you agree with me on six of them, vote for me. If you agree with me on 10, have your head examined. Have you noticed that people read less local news? Is it about the same? Like, has there been any change on... Um, I think they read about the same. Yeah. Oh, there's a real... Lo- we have a really loyal readership. Yeah. Our website traffic is up 31,000%, I think. Is it's, the, it's, it's, it's Yeah. It's <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, somebody asked me, I said, well, I know there's smoke coming out of the server, so I... Right. You know. <laughs> 
Grant Lally, and Maureen Daly of the North Shore Leader. Claire Malone covers the media for The New Yorker. Now, Claire, as we follow the Santos news, the daily pileup of fabrications is glorious. I just wonder if you see his rise to Congress as a Trump-related phenomenon, or is he merely pathological? I certainly think that George Santos perhaps thought that he could, maybe Donald Trump and his world-famous fibbing kind of gave George Santos a permission structure to say, like, well, listen, I don't know, like, people who are Republican partisans are going to vote for a Republican. I think the difference is Donald Trump is an ingrained, famous character in in the U.S. uh, culture for the past, who knows, 40, 50 years, and George Santos is a no-one's-ever-heard-of-him guy. And so, um, I do think it, it still does matter um, to, I think, to Republicans uh, if someone comes out and they've just made up uh, from whole cloth their their resume. But I do think that the oddly permissive structure that the Republican Party has created for candidates on a gamut of issues, you know, ranging from domestic abuse to, um, you know, allegations of, of sex trafficking, you know, lots of crazy stuff that's popped up in politics over the past few years. I think maybe Santos thought, eh, who's going to check? You can find Claire Malone's reporting at NewYorker.com. This is the New Yorker Radio Hour. I'm David Remnick, and that's our program for today. Thanks so much for being with us. See you next time. The New Yorker Radio Hour is a co-production of WNYC Studios and The New Yorker. Our theme music was composed and performed by Meryl Garbus of Tune Yards, with additional music by Louis Mitchell. This episode was produced by Max Balton, Frida Green, Adam Howard, Kalalia, David Krasnow, Jeffrey Masters, Louis Mitchell, and Ngofen Mputabuele, with guidance from Emily Botin and assistance from Harrison Keithline, Mike Kutchman, and Meher Bhatia. The New Yorker Radio Hour is supported in part by the Chirina Endowment Fund. At Radiolab, we love nothing more than nerding out about science, neuroscience, chemistry. But, but we do also like to get into other kinds of stories. Stories about policing or politics, country music, hockey, sex of bugs. (laughs) Regardless of whether we're looking at science or not science, we bring a rigorous curiosity to get you the answers. And hopefully make you see the world anew. Radiolab, adventures on the edge of what we think we know wherever you get your podcasts.